Well, hello again. It's been a while since I've uh, been up here and actually brought you the message, and so that could happen. Um, but uh, like Aaron said, I heard that today is National Youth uh, Pastor Preach Sunday or something like that, and uh, I just want to encourage you all that you're not alone, <laughs> and that uh, there are people around this nation, everywhere, sitting in their church pews, listening to the youth pastor preach, nodding off and turning down their hearing aids, okay? <laughs> so, so don't worry, get comfortable, I'm, I'm not easily offended. Um, but I, uh, I do want to talk today about contentment, and uh, as our verse in just a second will go over, and uh, as your bulletin says, the secret of contentment. Um, and if you would, get out those uh, green connection cards if you don't have them out already. Go ahead and rip that memory verse off. And uh, if you want, you can follow along as I read through our memory verse today. And then we're going to go over it, and we're going to memorize it together. Our memory verse today is 1 Timothy 6, 6-7. through 7, And it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. All right, 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 7. So we're going we're gonna to memorize it today. And just say it along with me in a second. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 7. All right, let's say it again. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. First Timothy 6, 6 through 7. Let's say it again. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. First uh, Timothy 6, 6 through 7. Very good. Bear with me. I don't do this a lot. All right. One more time, maybe. Didn't like to disappear from you. Here we go. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 7. Very good. Well, if you would take, um, if you don't have it already out, take that memory verse out, put it somewhere where you're going to remember it this week, whether it's taping it to your phone, whether it's put it in your pocket or wallet. Um, Come back to that. I challenge you guys to come back to that daily this week and look over that so you can hide that memory verse in your heart. Well, um, Christmas, before the new year arrives, um, and during this time of year, we all like to make these things that are called New Year's resolutions, all right? Uh, Many of you may have them. Actually, 51% of women and 48% of men, I don't know why it's different between them, uh, make a New Year's resolution. So 50% of Americans will make a New Year's resolution this year. Um, and uh, some interesting resolutions I have up here. Um, these are resolutions from last year for this year, okay? So some people, 53% of people want to save money. 45% want to lose weight or get in shape. 24% want to travel more. want to read more books, 22% want to learn a new skill or hobby, 21% want to buy a new house, 16% want to quit smoking, and 15% 
want to find love. All right? So you think about all these New Year's resolutions, that 50% of Americans make a New Year's resolution. Well, only 46% actually follow through. And uh, you're probably thinking, well, Zach, what an what a uplifting message you have this morning. I, I already made my New Year's resolution, and you're telling me I'm probably going to fail it. Okay? Well, if you think about it, most New Year's resolutions are resolutions that we previously made that we failed, and so we try. <laughs> we think that we're going to, you know, um, actually do them this year. And um, I'm not saying, honestly, I'm not saying that New Year's resolutions are a bad thing to make. I think it's great to make a New Year's resolution. Um, I think that losing weight is a great New Year's resolution. I have actually thought about that myself. And uh, I think that as a Christian, I think reading through the Bible is a great New Year's resolution. Uh, we challenge, you want to challenge you guys every year to, to read through the Bible. And if you guys need any resources on that, I have a, uh, quite a few resources that I can give you, and Aaron has some that he can give you um, to read through the Bible in uh, a year. And, and uh, I was talking to someone just before service, and they were saying that they like to read a different translation every year. I thought that was interesting. Um, so there's, very, there's a lot of good resolutions that we can make. And I'm not talking about whether you not you should make resolutions, New Year's resolutions today. That's not where I'm going today at all. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about why we feel we need to make New Year's resolutions. And spoiler um, alert, before I get into my message, really deep down, none of us like where we're at. None of us are content where we are. We're not content with who we are. We're not content with what we have. Uh, we're not content where we are. And so today, if you haven't um, heard the past five times I've said it, I'm going to be preaching on contentment and uh, what the Bible says about being content. You see, there's a disease of discontentment in our world. And, and uh, you could say it's our culture that we live in. Um, and you can see it, actually. I mean, everything is instant, right? Uh, we have these things in our pockets that we can look at and instantly get the weather or talk to someone around the world, uh, we can instantly drive through this line at a restaurant and get our food within five minutes, right? Uh, right, everything is instant. Everything, um, uh, not, a, not only everything is instant, in America we have so much, right? We think about this Christmas season, but not only this Christmas season, I mean, it's all the time in America. There's constantly things coming at us, uh, whether or not we're watching TV and, and uh, commercials are pushing things at us, um, or we're just walk or driving down the road and we see billboards uh, for, for the new best thing. Uh, there's constantly just things that are pushed at us. And I would say that the more we have, the more discontentment we have. Um, you know, we, we try to um, be content with getting more stuff, and, that <laughs> and in turn, that stuff Becomes, makes us become more, less content, more discontent, if you follow that. But I would say to you that it's not only our culture that we live in today. I, I think that this disease of discontentment has been around for a long time. I would say from the beginning of time. And, and I just want to give you a few examples this morning of a few guys and ladies that you may know of, uh, have heard of. And this first guy is... Uh, Pretty important. He's the first guy who ever walked the earth. 
His name was Adam. And God made Adam. And Adam had all of these animals. He lived in the Garden of Eden, and he wasn't content. And he wanted someone with him, and so God made him Eve. And Adam and Eve weren't content, right, with being in the garden and, and having all of these things that God had given them, so they disobeyed God. And they ate this fruit that God told them not to eat. They could have everything else in the garden, but not the fruit. And they were cast out of the garden. And then Cain, who was other, um, he wasn't content in what he had. And, and what he had didn't please, didn't feel like he pleased God with that. And so he killed Abel, his brother. And then there was these people in the Old Testament, if you remember, they built this really tall tower to try to get to God because they weren't content with themselves. They wanted to be like God, and then God scattered their language. That was called the Tower of Babel. And then there was this guy, Abraham, who wasn't content with what God had promised him. He said that his, the, God said that his descendants would be more than he could count, even more than the stars in the sky. And yet Abraham chose to take matters into his own hands, and he had um, he decided to have a kid with his servant instead of Sarah, his wife. And that led to all kinds of problems. Um, Sarah was so jealous because she was barren. She was jealous of their servant, and she, so she cast her out along with Ishmael, the, her son. And uh, that's led to great things today. Uh, the uh, Muslims, Islam, is, is a descendant of Ishmael. And... So many things. Think of this guy named King David. He had a lot of wives, and he wasn't content with all of his wives. And so he decided to um, commit adultery with one of his officer's wives and then killed him. And then we go to the New Testament where Judas betrays Jesus for just a few pieces of silver. Talk about discontentment. And the Bible stories just go on and on and on, and, and it doesn't end with the Bible. Um, it's, there's discontentment throughout history. I mean, you read story after story. And uh, it's not just history, it's the present, and it's not just the present, it's going to be the future, right? We're always going to be discontent. Now, this is a rhetorical question, but how many of you feel discontentment? It's in our nature, right? We always want more. The new best thing, a bigger truck, better gas mileage, a bigger house, a smaller mortgage, to lose weight, to eat as much as we can as, and lose weight, <laughs> a, a, better, a better job, uh, a smaller, uh, a better job, less hours, more hours to retire. It's the pendulum of life, right? But, but the thing is, we don't have to live this way. And Paul talks about this in Philippians 4. So we're going to be in Philippians 4 today. If you want to take out your Bible, um, we're going to be in Philippians 4, 10 through 13. You can grab, and if you don't have uh, a Bible to call your own, you can, you can just take one of, one of those, our gift to you. Uh, but as we're in, in Philippians 4, I just want to talk about next series. Um, I think we might have mentioned it briefly, but next series we're actually going to be in Philippians. So this is just a brief taste of what we're going to get into. Um, and I challenge you guys to come back and to hear... Um, the series next, uh, the next four weeks we have, we're going to dive in much deeper, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a great series. I'm excited about it. But we're going to be just in a few verses today, Philippians 4, 10 through 13. 
Um, and some of you may know this verse, Philippians 4.13. It's um, a very common verse. Some of you probably know it by heart. Um, it says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But there is so much more to that passage in the context of the verses that are around it. And so I want to read to you uh, Philippians 4.10-13. through 13. It says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You see, Paul writes that he has learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. You know, there's a difference between being content because of your circumstances and being content in spite of your circumstance. And Paul chose the latter. He chose to be content in spite of the circumstances that he was in. And the first one that we talked about, that I just talked about, because of your, being content because of your circumstances isn't real contentment, is it? He chose to be content. Paul chose to be content no matter what. And he says in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. You know, this guy had been through it all. He, he, knew, what it is, he, he knew what it was to have plenty. He had lived in, he lived in nice houses. He stayed in nice houses. He, he had eaten fantastic food. Um, and then he had been thrown in jail and imprisoned and tortured and was without food. And he says, through it all, he had learned the secret of being content. In the next verse, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So the whole theme today, what is the secret of contentment? What in the world would he be talking about? Well, maybe you're out here uh, today and, and you have experienced pain like no one can imagine. Maybe you've experienced loss of a close loved one. Maybe you've had your house foreclosed on or have lived on the streets or been homeless. Maybe uh, you lived through a flood, which probably most of you have <laughs> up here. Maybe you've lost everything. Maybe you've had or still have cancer or seen someone um, dwindle away and have lost a loved one to cancer. You know, life is not easy for any of us. Do you see what Paul says? I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. How is that possible? How can I be content when my mother or father or sister or brother or son or daughter is sick and won't recover? How can I be content when I'm going under and I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table. What is the secret? And is it real? Here's what Paul says. I can do all this through Christ, through him who gives me strength. This is the secret. I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. You may not survive it by yourself. You may not get through it by yourself. 
but you can overcome it through Christ. You know, so many people take this verse, Philippians um, 4, 6, uh, 4.13 out of context, and, and um, it's easy to read this passage by itself because it sounds fantastic. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, and then just stop there. Um, and then you could say, I, I, through Christ, all, all things are possible, and everything I want I can get, right? But it doesn't say that, and, and, and it doesn't say that God will always heal you if you believe enough. Sometimes he might. He definitely has the power to. And it doesn't say that God will always turn around your financial portfolio for the better. It, it doesn't say that you'll be healthy and wealthy and live long and prosper if you believe in Christ. You see, Jesus' gospel is not Mr. Spock's gospel. Pretty gospel. Jesus' gospel is the real, true, inerrant, difficult, hard to accept, but easy to receive gospel. You see, sometimes we read uh, that verse, Philippians 4.13, with a period before. But Paul actually writes it differently. He writes it with a comma. And let me, let me uh, show you what it sounds like if we put a period before I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul writes it like this. I uh, know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. In other words, I can be content in all circumstances through Christ who gives me strength. I may never get that big boat or motorhome or house or truck, and I may not have the best health on this earth. I may never have a better job or retire young, but in all circumstances, I can be content through Christ. You see, Christ gives us power to overcome. He gives us power to be content. You may still be thinking, as you look at me this morning, wow, Zach, what an uplifting message. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you may think, I, you know, I really, I, you're, you're telling me I still have to live like this. I, I may never be a millionaire. Uh, I may, uh, you mean if I believe in Jesus, it's not all going to be pink butterflies and fluffy unicorns. And, well, then, Zach, that's not the kind of Christianity I want to be a part of. You know, I want to find a church uh, that, can, that will tell me that if I believe in Christ, he's going to give me health, and he's going to give me a big house and a boat, and, I, and uh, just stuff. I'm here to tell you, not only is that kind of Christianity unrealistic, it's cheapened. It's a cheapened gospel. And not only is it cheapened, it's not real Christianity. Santa did not come into this world to die for you. Jesus didn't come into this world to give you stuff. He came to give you hope. And he came to save us from ourselves. 
You see, if you believe in Christ, you can be content because there is more to this life than this life. You now have the hope that this world will perish. That sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> you now have the hope that this world isn't all, isn't, isn't all that there is. This world will pass away. And we have treasures in heaven. If we believe in Christ, we have treasures in heaven that far surpass any health or wealth or prosperity or anything that we could find on this earth. I don't know um, if any of you are, uh, I'm sure that many of you are going through difficulty and are going through um, hardships, and um, some of you may have a close loved one who has passed away or who is soon to be, um, and some of you um, may have a disease that is uncurable. Firstly, I want to tell you that God is big, and God is powerful, and he can do anything. Sometimes it's easy to put God in a box, but God can't be contained in a box. God can heal and do miraculous things. But I challenge you guys, in every circumstance, like Paul talked about, to learn contentment. To learn contentment. I don't know if any of you have ever watched this channel on TV. It is called HGTV. And um, I watch, and my wife watched too much of it. Uh, we probably spent way too much in our house because we watch it. Um, but there's a show on HGTV, and it's called My Lottery Dream Home. I don't know if many of you have watched this show, uh, but it's kind of, the title kind of explains it. Um, it's basically about a bunch of these, um, all different kinds of people who have won the lottery, whether it be a million dollars or whether it be $20 million. Um, and then they go out and they search for a house that they really, uh, that they really want, some house that is new, better, bigger, to call their own. And it's really an interesting show. That's why we watch it, I guess. Because um, you see all of these different places, these big mansions, these little houses on billions of acres of land in Alaska and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, but I just want to challenge you guys, just like um, my lottery dream home, um, I'm here to tell you this morning that if you are in Christ, if you believe in Christ, you won the best lottery on earth. And you didn't even have to buy a ticket, you know that? And the odds are like fantastic. Um, not only that, but your dream home is beyond your comprehension. Jesus says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you, have, you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We can be content in this world. Because he has already overcome it. He has defeated death. And because of him, we can have peace. And we can have hope. And we can have salvation. If we only receive it. And that is the real good news. It's not the watered down version. It's not um, the prosperity gospel. It's the real gospel. The real good news. That Jesus came to this world to give us. So it's a short sermon this morning. Um, Merry Christmas.
<laughs> but uh, I, want to, I want us all to commit to uh, a few things this morning, if you would take out that green connection card. As you take that out, go ahead and flip that card to the back, and on the left-hand side, there's a box that says, this week I commit to you. The first thing I, I ask you guys to commit to is to, to memorize that verse, 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 7. It's, I'm just going to read it again. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Let's put that on our hearts this week. Let's memorize it together. Um, and let's remember um, to live with contentment. And the second thing is uh, I challenge you guys to read Philippians 4. Um, it's a fantastic, but Philippians 4 is really, is fantastic. It, it's a, it takes a lot, a lot of verses that you probably know are in Philippians 4, um, but you may not have read them with context, like Philippians 4.13. And so I challenge you guys to read Philippians 4 this week, and if you want to be uh, really a big overachiever, you can read the whole book of Philippians, because next, uh, the next series that we have starting January, is uh, straight through Philippians. So we're going to be talking about the whole book of Philippians. And so uh, go ahead and read that whole book. It's actually not, it won't take very long. It's a pretty small, pretty small book. Uh, thirdly, um, I challenge you guys to pray that Christ would be content, or pri- Christ would bring contentment in your life, uh, because it is really easy to be discontent. Um, you know, it takes being intentional through prayer, uh, really through being discontent with your relationship with God is how you can receive contentment. And so I challenge you guys um, to, be, uh, to ask God to bring you contentment this week and to grow in a relationship with him. And fourthly, um, and the last thing, kind of goes along with that, when they make a New Year's resolution, told you guys I wasn't against New Year's resolutions, uh, make a New Year's resolutions to find contentment in Christ. Don't just think about it, because it's easy to think, it's easy to think, man, I wish I was content, and that's discontentment, <laughs> all right? So be intentional about it. Learn, Paul says, I have learned to be content. You can't just be content, I can't just tell you to be content, and then you're content. Now you have to be, you have to learn, you have to learn to be content. So I challenge you guys, uh, Make a new resolution to learn to be content. And then um, I just I just ask and just um, pray that God, Christ, would give you strength this year uh, as you practice the secret of contentment, as we talked about, as as Paul talks about in Philippians four. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you um, that you are our solid rock. That you are a foundation. And God, when the storms of this life come, God, we can rest in the knowledge that we don't have to waver, we don't have to fall down, we don't have to sink, because you are a solid foundation and you keep us afloat. God, we give us. Lord, help us to practice contentment even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, as most of the time it is. God, even when this world is so hard, 
God, may we feel your love. May we know your peace. May we realize the hope that we have in you. May we be content in Christ who gives us strength. We pray all this in Jesus' name.